Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney over there, Steve. Uhuru. And today we are continuing our look at Robert E. Howard's Solomon Kane with the story Hills of the Dead. This one was published August 1930 by Weird Tales. So in publication order, it comes directly after Moon of Skulls, which we yes. covered last week. Extensively. Uh, this story in brief. Cain obtains the staff of Solomon and battles a, a, a massive host of vampires. Yeah, you don't know it's the staff of Solomon yet. Right, right. They, um, they keep it is, it is called the voodoo staff mm -hmm. in the story. Right, which is pretty much a, what, six-foot stick sharpened on one end with uh, a cat carved on the head. I don't Presumably, even think that is described in in this story, though. I think that comes later. I might yeah. be mistaken. They 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 talk about it briefly, but it's I don't I don't think the idea was fully formulated in Howard's head. Yeah, when he introduced this element, is just a, an artifact of magical power. Um, for the most part, this is the addition of sorcery. To the Solomon Kane sword tales. Um, as I believe this is the first appearance of the staff. Mm, yep. It's not and, the first appearance of sorcery, though, in the first tale, Red Shadows. Um, Nalanga, who's who's a reoccurring character, um, does a uh, he he lets his his spirit walk out of his body and take possession. Of um of one of his tribesmen to save Solomon Kane, right, from being burned alive. Now, in a in a flip from say some of the Conan tales, sorcery in Solomon Kane, of course, always you know present with the bad guys, but Kane uh, has quick point of order: is it no longer or is it in longer? Um, it's. As it's probably a name that came completely from Howard's head. It doesn't um, really matter. Yeah. That I would probably I, I've been pronouncing it uh Nalanga. Mm -hmm. Um, but if the way it's written is probably Nlanga. Right. Well, I mean it's it it's written out as um Injobu. Right. And Injidaka from the Black Panther mytho mythology. So maybe it is in longer. We'll flip back and forth. And if one of us has it right, let us know at microphonesmadness at gmail.com. Yeah, and if neither of us has it right, um, let us know at microphones of madness at casualracism.com. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I suppose that we should talk about a little first. Compared to Moon of Skulls, Hills of the Dead is is tame. Yeah, it's compared to Moon of Skulls, it's the fucking Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but um the 
This is more along the lines of what you're used to <laughs> in terms of racism from Weird Tales. Mm -hmm. um, you know, completely just part of the background, not like ranting and raving, um, just hatred. Yeah. This is this is more. Um, if, if you were to make a he's a man of his time argument about Robert E. Howard, this makes the argument a lot better than um, than Moon of Skulls. Yeah, Moon of Skulls was just a screed of hatred. Um, this this is more like um, a white guy who lives in the 1930s, 1920s, 1930s, Texas kind right. of racism. Writing about a place he's never been. Right. It's, it's, there's, there's none of the, of the just comparing people to animals and uh, postulating about uh, the relative worth of, of each other's races. There's none of that. Right. All right. What we do end up getting is we, we have the character of, of Inalonga or Nalonga, whichever whichever you prefer, who is Kane's blood brother. Yes. They became blood brothers in Red Shadows. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, not having read Red Shadows in a while, I would forget what the process of Becoming blood brothers. I don't think they described it. I think it was pretty much you were blood brothers now. Right. I mean, they went they went through like a, a harrowing time together. Right. At the hands of Lelou. Now, you know, it could be, you know, they're brothers because they shed blood together or pop. The term blood brothers, I think of the, you know, that, that ritual of the you know, cutting of the cutting your hand, hand open, and, yeah. you know, and your blood actually intermingling. I'm um, not completely certain that that actual ritual exists anywhere, but in the minds of, um, of adventure story authors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it is what you think it is. They are bonded through, <laughs> Um, through adver adversary, adversary. Ugh, man, I can't speak English. <laughs> they, they, their brother yeah. is forged in conflict. Yes, there we go. Thank you. Yes. Uh, we begin the story with uh, Inlonga and Kane having a sit down, um, and Nalonga gives him the staff as a gift. Right, because they are, they are blood brothers. Um, and I we discussed this a little bit last week in, in the uh, presentation of Nalonga that he he does speak this pigeon, uh, and that he's proud that he he's mastered, you know, this much of the English language. Yeah, I think it seems to be that at the beginning of the story, at least uh, Nalonga values their blood brother status a little bit more than Solomon Kane does. Right. Uh, Kane kind of is like, yeah, whatever. Uh, oh, voodoo staff. I don't want to use your, your pagan evil magic. Right. Whereas Nalanga is just, you know, chatting away. We're blood brothers. I'm going to help you out. 
if you ever need me, hold the staff while you're sleeping. I'll mm -hmm. come from it. Right. And Nalonga really kind of presents this, this image of a character, you know, one in opposition to Kane, where he's just like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. You know, we're, we're just men. Yeah, you know, sitting around camp. We're we're just two guys sitting around a campfire. You know, all all you know, we're the same. You are you just white. I'm I'm a powerful wizard, <laughs> and and it really it seems that that's the way Ilanga thinks of himself. Is like you know it it's kind of the it's flipped. You know, Kane is kind of the the savage child here. And Inlonga is the the superior of the two, and Inlonga yeah. knows it, but Kane doesn't really want to believe it. But you know, it's like ah, he'll come around. I think the problem with that dynamic to me is that Inlonga speaks in this like broken patois mm -hmm. that just reeks of. Um, of just subservience. At one point, he even says, "Sure enough, right, so, right." He he does. It's it, it's not very. It's not a very respectful, um, just just representation of a human being. He's almost shucking and jiving to mm. me, and and it's it's. I know that Nalaga is a, a powerful sorcerer. Mm. Uh, you know this. Solomon Kane suspects it, but all sorcerer is evil. Right. Um, but it, it, you still have Nalanga sitting there um, talking about great voodoo and, you know, not really taking anything really seriously. He's, he's like a sidekick. Right. He, he, he is. He's... Uh... He's Solomon Kane's ebony and, white. And and he don't get me wrong, it's not um Nalanga and the um Hills of the Dead. Right. <laughs> he, he is a sidekick character. It's just that he acts I, I wish that Howard had just portrayed him a little bit more uh less clowny, I guess. Mm -hmm. And and more of 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 um, you know, just a, a a serious human being, but I mean, like you said, you you hinted at this last week. It's a kind of an archetype that you have these powerful sorcerers who clown around like Yoda, mm -hmm. uh, any number of of characters in anime, right? Yoda, um, even to a, a lesser extent, Gandalf, who plays the fool often, right? Jiraiya from from Naruto, mm -hmm. you definitely have like these super powerful characters who, who act act foolish. It's unfortunate that you have that going on and maybe that's what Howard was going for. Um just against the backdrop of Howard's reputation. Right. You know? Right. Against Howard's reputation it does color 90 years later character. or whatever. Right. Reading it reading it now with the addition of characters like Gandalf, like um, Yoda and and all of these assorted characters from anime and this being the the playful wizard or trickster type of archetype uh, being so resonant 
now, it's kind of easier to read that into it. Uh, and back when the idea was fresh and it was appearing in this particular story, yeah, I can see I can see where your view is perfectly accurate. That he's he's being portrayed as an idiot because of that inherent inferiority that uh, Howard right. would feel that he had. That but he's, now he's playing a fool because he is a fool, not because he's just pretending to be a fool right. or it's a side effect of having that much vast cosmic power. But at the end, um, he does kind of uh, take Solomon Kane to task um, where they, they do the thing mm -hmm. and, uh, and we'll get into the thing later, but they do the thing and Solomon Kane is still griping about sorcery and Nalanga basically stops talking in the Patois, switches to the river language of just like regular language that Solomon Kane understands mm -hmm. and basically says, look, there's good, there's evil. Magic is that you're either good or you're evil. And if I was evil, would I give this guy his body back? Right. And he basically, you know, tells him to shut the fuck up. He doesn't right. know what's going on. And there's like a little bit more to the world than Solomon Cain's narrow view. So uh, that's, I mean, it's definitely part of the argument for him actually being like that archetype. Right. Um, it's, it's just unfortunate because, you know, a lot of these, these um, stories in weird tales or what have you um, just have this casual racism just baked in. Mm. So it's, it's it's hard to to take a, a character seriously when there's like this just gulf written into the story between white guy and black guy. Mm. Well, I would say, you know, if, if you make the 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 man of his time argument for Howard's racism using this story as an example, I would say this also is an example of uh, how. Howard had more potential to have completely dropped that mindset from from himself had he survived a little bit longer. Yeah, I think um, growing up where he grew up, where um, you know a man's or a woman's worth, a person's worth is in their actions and their deeds, um, says a little bit more about about Robert E. Howard than other. Weird Tales authors that you might uh, Howard more than likely, and you know I may be I may be off the mark, but Howard knew black people. He actually talked to black people. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he was he was a poor I, pretty, guy in East Texas. I mean, you know, yeah, there's the only sure. real demarcation between him and and the African Americans he would associate with. You know, growing up in the Deep South myself was a railroad track, probably. Right. So, I mean, he has like real life experience with, with people of color. Mm -hmm. uh, Unlike some make, other famous authors. <clears throat> I was going to say that um, Providence. <laughs> um, well, when uh, other famous authors move from Providence to uh, Brooklyn and get slapped in the face with <laughs> diversity. Mm -hmm. and go crawling back to Providence. It probably says a little bit more about uh, Robert, he Robert E. Howard's character as a human being than um, 
certain other authors who will remain squamous and nameless. Right. Right. Lovecraft. Oh, sorry. And <laughs> <laughs> something a little squamous in your throat there, huh? Yeah, man. Oof. Yeah, Calamari's not sitting well. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that that's out of the way, because you know, if you're gonna read this, you know, for preparation, be you know, it is as we said with Moon of Skulls, everything about these classic uh, weird tales, adventure stories, or classic weird tale stories. Now, what's interesting about this is this is one of the few stories that we've done over the course of the podcast that features one of the quote-unquote traditional monsters. Uh, this has vampires in it. Yeah, they're slightly modified vampires, but they are vampires. Mm -hmm. Almost, almost kind of has this this eaters of the dead kind of vibe, where where they're the vampires are actually like Neanderthals. Yeah, it's it, the the vampires are weird. Um, before we talk about the vampires, let's talk about the lion. <laughs> okay, because. It's Robert E. Howard. There has to be like some exotic animal for the hero to kill at the beginning. Of the story. Right, right. He always has to like test his skill against something. And really, it's, you know, it's, the it's lion... kind of like a, a known. It, it's kind of like this is the control group. The lion's the control group. Solomon King can take a lion. So what's coming next has to be better than a lion. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the lion, other than it being a lion and that. You know, an ex that a large exotic predator, uh, whom it is described from the point of view of someone who has never actually seen a lion, other than maybe at the zoo. Um, That's true, <laughs> because the lion is depicted as a solitary hunter. Which I'll is, tell you what, I've never seen a lion outside of a zoo. Uh, this is true. Thank goodness, but you know, I've I've also had the benefit of you know TV, right? National Geographic National specials, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and uh, documentaries. You know, there's well, I mean, it it was a David Attenborough. Beast. It's a, it's an it was it still is an exotic beast, but I mean, it was probably. A, a little bit more exotic at the time, as all the things that these guys fight giant snakes, mm. gorillas, you know, lions. Yeah. All of these things is still part of, you know, that wild. At least, at least, he, got, of at least, he, at least it was like a lion and not like uh, a tiger. Right. Right. At least no, he got his... like kind of geography <laughs> right. But well, then a lot of people call um, different, like all big cats, tigers, mm -hmm. right? Or or maybe lions. Is it lions? I think uh, they call all big cats lions. My fault. Anyway, I digress. You cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so he he beats he beats a lion and rescues um, a, a a girl who's running away from her village, mm -hmm. um, as you do. Right. And here's where um, it's he doesn't treat her because she's obviously she's a uh, a local mm -hmm. and, and he doesn't treat her poorly. No. Um, 
he treats her with compassion and and he treats her like a girl like a little girl instead you know what i'm saying right right like but he also he also robert e howard takes great stride to let us know that she's light-skinned yes she's, and she's more of a a, a nubian stock <laughs> she's light-skinned and her immediate response after he shoots the the, the lion is are you a god mm-hmm and Solomon because, Kane, you know, played by Michael Kane, is, well, of course we are. I'm Solomon Kane. <laughs> no, he actually says he's not. Right. Let's not oh. misrepresent the story. I'm just a man. Um. So, and, and once again, that's like kind of I don't know. It's that's like an old trope of the white person coming to the rescue and and mm -hmm. having the natives right. say, "Oh, they're the gods." I mean. Right, you know, by virtue of having you know guns, right, and and it's not like that hasn't happened in in real life. I mean, look at Cortez. Mm -hmm. uh, Cortez like totally played up the fact that they thought he was Quetzalcoatl uh, when when he started um, fucking with the Aztecs. Right. So uh, it, it's not like it hasn't happened. It does happen, but it's I don't think the world over. Every time white guys seen. Um, by you know somebody, some natives that aren't white, I, I just don't think that they're going. Oh, you're a god, right? <laughs> and he's like, "Well, I will escort you home. You're lost. You ran away. You did some foolish things." And you know, we come to find out that this girl ran away because she didn't want to do her chores. Yeah, she broke a pot. She broke a pot. Her mom punished her and she got pissy. Mm -hmm. So she ran away, ran away yeah, from so, home. So she's got to be like 12 or 13 right. or something. Right. Possibly a little bit younger because, you know, kids had a little bit more responsibility back in the day. <laughs> right. And the, she was eight. And she, and, and she, she, didn't she was three away. and a half. And she, she was, she was out of her job at the factory. Mm hmm. <laughs> But she was you know, pro processing uh, sausage. <laughs> she found a finger. Solomon Kane, ever the chivalrous gentleman, right? Ever the chivalrous gentleman, Solomon Kane scolds her a little bit for being silly and running away and almost getting herself killed by a lion. Right. It, it, it's actually, you know what? If you picture the scene in The Wizard of Oz where she meets, um, um, what's his? Oz in real life, uh, but mm -hmm. the, the the snake the oil salesman, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like that. Why are you running away, Professor Marvel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 got that dynamic. Well, little girl, right? <laughs> not it, it's not creepy. It's just like, oh yeah, you're running away. Let's uh, let's take care of that. We're, Solomon Kane's a little bit more direct. Right, that than uh, Professor Marvel, but it's definitely got that dynamic. Maybe that was like a common thing at the time. <laughs> Although Howard's description of of the girl gets a little creepy at times. Yeah, we have we have this kind of like weird descriptions of the character, you know, in while she's sleeping and stuff like that. And it's, you know, maybe she's a little older. Yeah, and she's just childlike because you know she's not white. 
that's a possibility, but still, you know, it doesn't change the fact that he, uh, he's creeping he, on her. He's he, yeah. Not Solomon Kane, but it seems but, like Robert Howard is creeping on her from afar. Oh, you know, maybe he, uh, maybe he turned into the big bobber or something. Oh, he's, he's Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> Or any of those? Didn't all those guys like marry their cut their underage cousins and stuff? Um, I don't, those I don't know. Rockabilly people. I don't know about all that, but yeah, there was some, there was some creepy shit going on there. Yeah. Now, anyway, <laughs> anyway, we've introduced an entirely new angle to that. Yeah. Wow. Criticism of the old guard. Really good story. Now I'm like, <laughs> um, well, you know, you can't help but think it's a good story, really. It is, and it is a good story. It's very short. It's about half the size of Moon and Skulls. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and and it gets to the point really fast. But I, I was just bringing that up because you know we were talking about his his treatment of people uh, in in this story, and he's just. You know, it, I remember these descriptions, and it's just like it's weird how he like. I I, I suppose that you kind of have to since she's the damsel in distress, and there are um, multiple people falling asleep in this story. It's kind of like the plot device, right? <laughs> but I I suppose you know he's describing he's describing her as as a girl. What what is what is her name? Uh, it is Zala. Hold on. I wanted to say Zala. Uh, Cran is the boyfriend or the lover. She's got to be older because that's her lover. Doesn't he use yeah. that? Yeah, so she might be in like her 20s. Yeah, that's probably it. And she's just childlike because she ain't white. Right, and she's a girl because you know she's younger than Solomon Kane. Kane, yeah, that could be it. Um, her name is Jeopardy music playing Zuna. Zuna. Now Zuna. Now did did Kane discover the corpse before or after Zuna? Uh, so Zuna, no. What happens is Zuna um, comes running out of the grasslands when he when when Kane emerges onto the savanna. Zuna comes running. She's being chased by a lion. Kane kills the lion with a single shot. Uh, are you a god? Um, no. Uh, can you take me home? Sure. Um, we'll camp in those hills. This is what happens. She, he. He decides that they're going to camp in the hills um, right. because there's caves in the hills. It's shelter and they won't get attacked by lions. And mm. she's like, no way. But she doesn't explain why. So, of yeah, course, better lions, better lions in the hills. Right. But, you know, she, she's like this young native girl. So he doesn't give a shit what she thinks. So he takes her to the caves anyway. And while she is gathering firewood and he's got like a small fire going he is visited by these two guys that like come up to the fire and just sit there silently. Mm -hmm. Kane tries to engage them in conversation. They don't say anything. And finally she comes back as the fire is dying and screams when she sees them. 
Right. And that's when you find out that they're not people, but they are these vampires. Uh, they've got like pointy teeth. They don't say a word. And uh, Kane beats the living shit out of them. Like he right. breaks one of the a neck of one, bashes it in the head, and they just keep on going. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them he ends up stabbing with the with the staff, and um, it doesn't fight anymore. So he goes to get the other one, and uh, it ends up being defeated when it um, it goes onto the 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 embers of the fire and and can't move because of that. Mm-hmm. So he he, um, he runs for the staff, and the other one's disintegrated. He stabs that one. That one disintegrates, and he's like, "Oh, they're vampires!" <laughs> right. Spawn of Satan. Exactly. They because he is a Puritan. He's you know he, he's a believer. Right. Everything everything that's not good and wholesome is devilry. Right. And he you know I will say he definitely portrays Kane true to that. Mm-hmm. So Kane sitting there thinking, because as he does, Zuna tells him that, you know, this is why I say don't camp in the hills. These hills are full of these things. Yeah. You They're- could have mentioned something a little earlier. <laughs> and Kane in his in his colonial European sense chivalric sensibilities Says we can't have this. Yeah, I must wipe them all out. <laughs> I must wipe. I must destroy them all. You know, it's funny because he blames her for not telling him about the vampires, but really, it's his own damn fault. Because right. she said we're not going to sleep in the hills, and he basically told her to shut up. We're doing what I'm saying, stupid girl. We're going to go where it's safe from the lions. Mm-hmm. Now he's got a gun. She already thinks that he's like divine, not like Gaga divine, but like she literally divine. She thinks he's a god. So she doesn't say anything to him. It's his right. own damn fault that got attacked by vampires. Right. And he committed the cardinal sin of vampires is he invited them to his camp. Yeah, I don't know if that was um I don't think that's well, a, did, necessarily a rule. Do that, but I don't think it's part of the rules of these vampires. Um it's probably not part of the rules of those vampires, so it might have been like a shout out to Stoker or something like that. Maybe um, because he does he invites them over and they don't really attack until one the fire dies down and two, um, you know, after he's invited them over. Right. The rules you get for these vampires are um, they they drink the life of humans. He doesn't say blood. Nowhere does he say they suck blood. They 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 feed off the life of humans. Mm-hmm. Um, they're already dead, so they can't die. That's the big thing about them. They he makes great pains, takes great pains to let you know that they are dead. Mm-hmm. Title of the story, and uh, he, he in the backstory of the vampires, he, he he makes sure that you know they're not dead. And they don't speak at all, right? Um, later on, when he fights them, they don't bleed. And the only thing that harms them until Solomon Cain comes along is fire, which is why they waited by the fire for it to die down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now the staff also um, harms them. Right. So that is, and, that and, is conveniently sharpened to a point and acts like a stake through the heart. Well, 
and that's the thing is um, later on in another story, you find out that the staff is actually the staff of Solomon, a, a holy relic. Mm -hmm. At this point, you don't know that. Right. You just know it's a powerful magical. Item. And we don't know if Howard knew that either. Right. To be honest. I mean. Right. We don't know if it was just introduced as a plot device here and then, oh, well, that was a really cool thing to have. Let's make it do other things. Right. Right. Um, so, 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 thinking, oh my gosh, it's vampires. There's hundreds of them, uh, if not thousands. Uh, we can't be having this. Uh, decides to call for help. Yeah. Well, one yeah. of the things ascribed to the staff, one of its powers, is that it allows him to communicate with Nalonga in dreams. Right. He was told specifically, if you need my help, fall asleep with the staff across your chest and I will come to you in dreams. Right. And, and of course, Zuna's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm calling in some backup. Yeah, well, he's like, oh, <laughs> we can only fight devilry with devilry. Right. <laughs> Just so happens. Because his faith is so great. <laughs> right. We can only fight it with devilry. His, his faith is so great but he can only fight these vampires uh, by getting his own monster. Getting his... Right. Exactly. So um, he contacts Nalonga. Nalonga says, tell the girl to go home. Give me five minutes. All right. You're right over. Tell her to go home. Bring her lover. Yeah. And... Cran. Right. Bring your lover to me. Do you mean Cran? Yeah, whatever his name is, just bring him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Named after the stuff that they eat on the road in the Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's cram with an M, but right, it sounds enough like so. Vampires. These days, you put a vampire in the story, and it's kind of like a oh, boring. Mm -hmm. After Anne Rice, who cares, right? Right. Now, you know, we 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 hinted at this earlier. These are more like 30 days of night kind of vampires rather yes. than Dracula or Anne Rice right. vampires. But even so, at these days, vampires are kind of like passe. It, it, they're not scary anymore. Right. Right. Back because in the day, however. They they were scary. Yeah, I mean, Dracula, one was Dracula, uh like the 1890s? Yeah, late 1800s. And uh, so you had that. Uh, Nosferatu was made in the 20s. Mm -hmm. uh, the film Dracula didn't come out to what, 36? Yeah, something like that. Uh, the stage play might have been around a little bit earlier, but I yeah. still, this is more, you know, in that pedigree of like maybe Varney the Vampire. I was going to say there's Varney the Vampire. There's a few... Um, like serialized vampire stories. There's that one, uh, Carmilla. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's definitely a tradition of vampire tales. Um, some of them are erotic thriller kind of things. Some of them are straight up gothic. Um, but they're all kind of like the same kind of Dracula mold. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and they're scary. They're not. They're not passe anymore. They're, they're, we just haven't been beaten to death by them at that point. So right. having vampires in here is great. But Robert E. Howard, 
It's like, okay, vampires are scary. Eh. And he's written vampire stories before. Uh, the horror from the horror from the mound is a vampire story. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if I can do this better. <laughs> right. What's better than one vampire? Hundreds Thousands of vampires. Of vampires. <laughs> a city of vampires. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it makes sense given the context of, of where where this story, what it was written for. Right. It's written for weird tales, over-the-top adventure stories. So, yeah. What, what's sensational? One vampire. Pfft. Everybody's done one vampire. Yeah. What if there was a city of them and they just attacked like a Mongol like horde? A dog pack. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, they do. It's 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 one of the coolest action scenes ever um, when we when, when they get to this big end fight because uh, well the Nalaga they get Cran and Nalaga sends his his soul out and takes over Cran's body pushes Cran out and Cran goes to like this limbo and uh, for good measure he he gets uh, Zula Zuna as well goes mm-hmm. there to keep him company. Right. Who knows what they're doing there? So now we have like young mom, like built jacked Cran slash Nalanga, who retains all of his sorcerer's powers. Mm -hmm. And uh, and just a dumbstruck Solomon Kane. It's like, what is going on? Right. Who's who's already seen this once? You know, but he took over a corpse. We took over a corpse, and it was on the coast. This is the the heart of Africa, right? And I, you know, I left you on the miles away, right? But, but you know, he says that once once Nalanga's spirit takes over this body, the eyes change, and they they're Nalanga's eyes, right? And the he speaks with Nalanga's voice. Which would be a really cool effect if this were like a like a short film or something like yeah, but that. Even if like you're just thinking about it, like this these days, like we come on, body switching, right? Happens all the freaky fucking Friday, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We could probably list all of the pop culture references to body sli- sni- uh, switching. Yeah. Aren't you gonna wash your hands? <laughs> no, because no, I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, but back in the day, <laughs> body switching was a big deal. That's very yeah, powerful I mean, magic. You had this. You had uh, what was it? Um, um, thing on the doorstep. Also, now this, but it's two different like um, attitudes about it. Mm-hmm. But like uh, Nalanga says later, you know, good, evil, all depends on the guy doing the, the magic. Right. <clears throat> And in this story, where, whereas in Moon of Skulls, Solomon Kane is, you know, he, he he demonstrates his physical prowess. Solomon Kane is absolutely useless. He has um, gone from being the main character up until this point to mm-hmm. now you are the sidekick, Kane. That's right. Um, so Nalanga has a plan. Mm-hmm. The plan is to uh, go to the city of the dead. They go and they see this ancient city, and you get the backstory from um, from Zuna that uh, her tribe and their tribe were at war 
long time ago mm-hmm. and um in or- they they were getting defeated so in order to prevent themselves from from getting defeated they uh put a cast a spell on the city that um once you're dead you would come back right that, that's it. short quick to the point curse city boom mm-hmm. so nalanga has this plan and it's the greatest plan ever he's gonna plop himself down um overlooking the city and just start chanting while solomon kane like like in um like in a video game protects him from the onslaught of enemies that just seem to respawn forever yep it's it's like a, i just imagine this like this <laughs> flood of vampires just coming by and solomon kane doing his best you know, to, to to cut them down, and I mean, he's not even using his sword in this case. He's using yeah. the stock of his musket, and he's just swinging that motherfucker like a club. Yeah, they don't bleed, they right. don't speak, they don't make any noise. They just come at him. Right. Soon, Solomon was covered in red, but he knew that all that blood was his. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, and this is a a, a huge rarity for a Robert E. Howard hero. Uh, At the climax of this battle, uh, because, of course, it's overwhelming numbers, uh, Solomon King goes down. Mm -hmm. And he is about to to, uh, get ripped apart by these vampires when uh, Nalanga's chanting pays off. Yep. And uh, a swarm, and I kid you not, of vultures <laughs> appears in the sky like a cloud and descends upon the living dead because they know they're dead and that's dinner. Right, right. <laughs> and it's kind of like one of Nalanga's jokes about he he jokes about it. He's like they're dead. You know, what yeah. what better way to fight off the dead than with something that eats the dead? So the vultures come down and start picking apart them. But that's not the end. Um, so the vampires, they flee to their city. Mm-hmm. And then Ulaga gets a, uh, just like a, a pile of tinder, lights it, throws it out into the grassland because <laughs> the city is like abandoned and on, in a grassland and torches it. And they yep. walk away. <laughs> <laughs> And that is how it happens. It was epic. It was it was a seventh edition Call of Cthulhu game, <laughs> or any Call of Cthulhu game. Ending. He just like the vultures come, and it's great because you know you could just like at this point Howard can write action scenes. So mm-hmm. At this point, you have this battered and bruised and probably dying Solomon Kane just. Like ready to, to give it up, like saying it can't end like this. And then the vultures come. But that's not enough. It's kind of like vampire, yeah. Well, I have thousands of vampires. Vultures, okay, that's cool. But really, let's let the fucking thing on fire. Let's just torch it. End it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nalanga sets the entire fucking plateau on fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's and and of course you know Solomon King gets up all battered and bruised and look because they're up on even higher ground. 
He's like right. looks over and he's like, "That's a pretty fucking smart plan, pal." <laughs> I know. I wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> no, he would not have. So, very very cool way. Now, um, the denouement uh, is where you have Solomon Kane kind of, I won't say questioning. But he's still kind of like, well, it's, it's still, I hope I can be forgiven for using sorcery. You know, even though it was to get rid of evil, um, I feel unclean. Mm -hmm. And Nalaga, this is where Nalaga just dresses him down, tells him to shut up because, you know, there's a little bit more to what's going on than your narrow way of thinking, which I think kind of redeems the 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 earlier treatment of Nalaga. Yeah. Um, not completely, but um, if, if you, if you take the man, Robert E. Howard out of it and just think of it as being told from the perspective of Solomon Kane, mm -hmm. um, you, you actually get a little bit of character development in this story where, um, you know, Cain is given the opportunity to question his beliefs mm -hmm. and, and his prejudices, which uh, it, that that you don't really get a lot of that introspection um, it, with Robert E. Howard and his heroes, right? Right, and you really you don't really get that in you know that that kind of storytelling. I mean, you know, we're talking about a story that was only. In the book that we read, what uh, thirty pages long, something like that. Yeah, it's not that long. Twenty-eight pages. So really, you know, the action wraps up fast, and the whole point of the story really seems to be in in the denouement, and you you have that moment of introspection where you know it's like you know you're a great warrior and all, Solomon, but really, pal, you don't know shit, right? And and it, it at the end of um. Uh, Moon of Skulls, you had that a little bit of a of a introspective moment, but it was more along the lines of justifying yeah. aspects of the story and justifying Kane's just right, justifying the coincidences of the story. Yeah. And, and Kane being a douche. Right. And Kane's <laughs> like, you know, they they had to die. Right. You know. And in this one, it's it's definitely more like um, you know, there's room in the world for your God and my beliefs as well. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, uh, what I do ain't parlor tricks. Yeah. I mean, he, he like basically says, if you, if I told you the truth of how old I was, you think I was lying to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he really takes him to task as much as ever is going to happen in one of these stories with, right. with a hero. Well, gets gets out yelled at yeah and he he also you know kind of hints around that you know yeah no longer pretty damn old because you know this is not his sorcery is not just you know local magic right you know, he's he's learned magic from pretty much everybody that's ever you know all societies yeah magic. <laughs> he learned from all of them he drops a few hints uh, as to uh where he's been mm-hmm uh, not just from Africa. He's been all over the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, it's too bad because Nalaga as a character is probably one of the more just interesting characters that Kane has ever, or not Kane, uh, 
well, or, or the Howard is written. I, I think I think Nalonga is one of the most in, more interesting characters to, to to come out of that that era of storytelling. Um, you know, I, I kind of wish that the character wasn't locked down by the the copyright and trademark claims of you know Robert E. Howard Estate. <laughs> well, I just wish that Robert E. Howard had written more Nalonga stories, right? Exactly. Um, that the two that we have. Hmm. Because you know he 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 has the the potential. He, you could definitely have. He definitely has that. Um, Robert E. Howard, Jack of all trades. You know, right? Uh, Marty Stew aspect to him. Mm-hmm. You know, but it seems like he is probably a um, has the potential to be more humble than a typical Howard character. Mm-hmm. You know, and and what's funny is, is I think that Nalonga as a character, you know, he, he he talks about how old he is there. You know, that 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 character is probably immortal, and would be walking around today. Yeah, I wonder if um, I I, I have I I don't go for the pastiche too mm-hmm. much, but I'm I'm wondering if like uh, the character like, was renamed and well, no, if, well if like um like. To camp or 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 um, Jordan or somebody used him as a character, hmm. or even Roy Thomas or something, right? Um, outside of just you know these two stories, his ancestors, his ancestor, he 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 his descendants, um, you know, included Zuri from the Black Panther movie. <laughs> I guess yeah, I guess it could have. <laughs> If, if you know. they wanted to connect the the Conan to the greater Marvel universe, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely could have. Well, yeah, I, mean, uh, I guess a quick Google search will will answer that question. Right, if it's ever been, if he's ever been featured in anything else, yeah. as a maybe an XP of him or something. Yeah, it's hard to. No, I mean the actual character. Oh, the actual character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice if uh, one of the Sword and Soul writers, you know, like um, like Milton or uh, yeah, they have their own they have their own heroes and stuff. To, they have their own heroes, uh, but it would be it would be nice to see one of them take on that character, you know, even if it was just for maybe a, a short story or even a novella or something like that, you know, because even even Howard says Nalonga has his own adventures that he does. Yeah, maybe had Howard lived, he could have written right no and we, and we could have been sitting here talking about the the savage, the savage voodoo stick of the savage Nalonga. spells, the savage spells of Nalonga. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be great. Um, my favorite Howard character. He's only appeared in two stories. Hmm. And he, I, and I think it's because he has that, you know, we're reading it, you know, this this long, you know, this many years later, and having Yoda and Gandalf and all these other yeah. trickster it's, wizard characters. It's almost ninety years since this story was published. Mm-hmm. Right, and and so we've had many other characters in that archetype, you know, and you have Nalonga who is possibly because Howard is who Howard is, is the proto-archetype of that trickster wizard. 
Yeah, it could be. You know, that, but we're reading it, you know, 90, 80, you know, 70 years later. I don't know when the first time you read this one was. Um, yeah, it was probably in high school. You know, in that in that tradition, and you know, though you know, other characters of similar sort are already in our heads, so right. we naturally gravitate toward you know filing them with you know what we read before. Right, similar characters. It, it is interesting when you reread these old stories that are kind of like the foundation of a lot of uh, the pop culture that people enjoy today, mm-hmm. um, and how they they seem. Um, well, yeah, dated. Some of them seem dated. Not all of them. I mean, this story holds up, I think. But you know, a lot of it is is dated. You have like uh, characters uh, and and character archetypes that um, we see all the time. Mm-hmm. But ninety years ago, people didn't see this all the time. This was new. Yeah, it was influenced right. by other things, but it was new. It was fresh, and and it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's kind of like when um, I don't know um, because we live in an age where everything is recycled anyway we don't really get a lot of, of new and innovative heroes and archetypes like you know like you know She-Ra is being rebooted you know mm-hmm. and, and we get a lot of reboots and stuff right? but we don't get anything we're, we're almost um geared um culturally to reject new stuff new stuff yeah and and we we crave like this like this weird nostalgia but you you can't be the same as the old like Mm -hmm. even even like with um the new star wars movies and and i enjoy them but you know they're definitely playing on archetypes they're mixing and matching a little bit right they're more or less the same character roles that we had in the original series. Right. Well, you know, when you talk about star Wars, you're talking about, you know, that each trilogy is supposed to act as a mirror. Right. Of everything that came before. And yeah, you kind of have to mix it up a little bit to, to make it fresh, but you know, really we could probably do an entire topic on just that. Right. The mixed match of the archetypes in, in the, in the new movies versus the, the older Let's movies. wait for the last one to come out. Yeah. But that about does it for our look at Solomon Kane. Uh, next week, we will be talking a classic D&D module, yeah. White Plume Mountain. Uh, we'll be going, yeah, we'll be going through and discussing things uh, like encounter design and whatnot. <laughs> it, this, this is definitely um, one of those, why did this happen? Oh, a wizard did it. Mm-hmm. A wizard did it. <laughs> a wizard did it. Wizard did a lot. <laughs> yep. So join us then. That'll be uh, next Wednesday. And until next time, keep 30 luck points. Yep.